Kristen. And I'm Keontae. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the, the Crafted, Crafted Podcast. What's up, world? It's another week, another podcast, a new episode. Yes, yeah, a new episode. And as you can tell, my voice is somewhat gone. That's something always up with you. It is something. This is like the third week in a row I've said something you about my voice. Record or what? But no, it's not. I went to Universal Studios this weekend with my son. So how was that? And it was so freaking fun. Oh my gosh, it was like the time of my life. Now I'm like, I need a whole bunch of girlfriends and homegirls. Dang, there goes that girlfriends words again word again. That means I'm old, like Girlfriends? That means you're old? Yeah, because people don't like young people don't say my girlfriends. They just say friends, you know? Really? Yes, absolutely. Mm, I don't know about that one. And so I feel like I mean, I I'm need... not a young woman, so I don't know, I guess. Use an old woman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay, so anyways, yeah. So I'm like, I need a whole bunch of friends to go to Universal Studios with and leave the kids. Actually, though, it was fun bringing August. Like, that was, it was actually really a blast. So it was fun with one kid. Yeah, it was. With three, it's a whole nother, you know, it's a whole nother animal, a whole nother beast. Somebody always told me when you have one kid, you have one kid. When you have two kids, that's two kids. But when you have three kids, you got 12. <laughs> That's what they told me, and I feel every bit of that. Every I feel every minute of that. That's funny. Yeah. So how was your week? My week was pretty good. It's been actually slow at my job because, um, like I said, we had that, that dash where we were trying to get all of our holiday projects completed and, and created. And, um, yeah, man, we got through all of that rush we were trying to really we got everything like done like right before the week like before Thanksgiving, uh-huh. and so now like I still have projects that I still gotta create and design, but um they're just a little bit slower. So like I just been at work like um watching videos like I like I I, I was telling you throughout the week like I was watching videos and like learning stuff <laughs> on YouTube like just doing like continued education just on like everything That's like I was cool. researching Working in continued yeah. education it ain't nothing wrong with that yeah so but yeah work work's been straight um can't complain there yeah I was actually doing the same thing I was watching a video on dyslexia while writing a report today because, listen, that's one thing about me. And, look, it sounds like it's one thing about you, too. You like to learn about what you like to learn oh, about. Oh, yeah, because I'm about to say, my, my research. Random things. <laughs> well, my research has been, I'm, I was, you know, as y'all, as most of you know, we just released our book on December 1st. So, part of my research, like, I was researching stuff about, like, you know, how to better, like, your book sales and, like, market your book. But I also was researching how fast is a Ford GT engine? <laughs> and how that works so yeah yeah you know? random that's funny yeah well i was researching dyslexia this week because i wanted to know more about that and you know always behaviors i love behavior so i've been researching that i've also been researching a little bit on how to open up my own school because you know maybe it'll mm-hmm. come sooner i'm having a feeling i don't okay. know well lord willing amen that was the, that was amen. the name of the clips first album but all right, let's go ahead and get started. Um, so let's go ahead and get started with our icebreaker. And our icebreaker for today. It's let's get deep. It's I not mean, I'm sorry. Our, that's what the card is. The card is an icebreaker card. But, but the actual game is called Let's Get Deep. Yes. And our actual segment is Let's, let's get, get Deep. deep. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this question today says, what are your favorite video games? And I'm going to say, give me like... Of all time, give me your top three video games of all time. I already know what number one is going to be. My number one, you don't know what number one it's is going to be. It's going to be Sims. No, that's not my number how one. Is Sim, how is the Sims hey, not how, your listen, number one? You hear this guy? He's going to argue with me about my number one, which is wild. Like, bro, let me have my own opinion. So, my number or one. Crash Bandicoot? No, that's not oh, okay. number one. My number one is Banjo-Tooie. That was my 
favorite game ever. It's like complete nostalgia for me. Like if I could have a Nintendo 64 with Banjo-Tooie today, I would be so freaking happy. Wait, it was actually called Banjo-Tooie? There was one called, the first one was called, called Banjo-Kazooie, right? and the oh, second okay, gotcha, one was called gotcha. Banjo-Tooie. Gotcha. I, my favorite one was Banjo-Tooie. I did like Banjo-Kazooie too. But me and my nephew and niece um, and my brother, we used to play that non-freaking-stop. I think my favorite video games need to be separated into adult video games, kid video games, no, no, no. teenage just, video games. No, no, no. Just your top, just your top three all, all time. Okay, so that was it. my first number one. Number two would have to be, oh, this is so hard, top three. Would have to be Mario sixty four. Oh man, that's Mario sixty four was a freaking classic. It was classic. amazing. Yes, like you couldn't even live life without that. Like that is just that was just amazing. That was a good time. That was the same time where they had uh, Donkey Kong sixty four too. That was like that. Those are almost synonymous. But I yeah. got, you said I can't pick. You know I can only do three. And then third, uh, I. I mean, I could say Sims. I did like Sims a lot for a long time, but <laughs> you I don't consider could that. Say Sims. I don't consider that a video game. Though. That's I, a video I game. I consider Sims a computer game. Computer, a computer, games, computer games are video games. Okay, but that's a computer. You games. have to run the Sims. You, your computer has to have a video card. Well, he always trying to argue with me. Leave me, Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Because no. I consider that computer games. I don't consider computer games video games. Video games, I consider a video game console game. So my third favorite video game would have to be Crash Bandicoot or Tekken or or Pokemon Stadium. Or Pokemon Stadium or Spyro, one of those. It's like a triple. Girl, that's tie. you giving me <laughs> you say, four. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just need top three, and out the, of this one, I need one. Okay, the final one would have been Spyro because I played that a lot. Spyro, you got Spyro over. Can, uh, listen, argue your top three. <laughs> argue with your mama. Don't argue with me. I'm just saying. Okay, <laughs> interesting. All right. Well, for me, I man, well, and I was gonna, I was gonna drop Mario sixty four somewhere in there, but I want to do something different than you because what the heck? No, it's mention. your top three. No, no, no. Video no. Games. Well, even now I think about it. Yeah, I mean, Mar- I just want to honorable mention the Mario sixty four because, bruh, I mean that is like one of them type of pinnacle games. But yeah, so that's my number- his favorite. That's no, no, his no, no that's one. not my favorite. My, my number one Tekken. actually. No, my number one Mortal actually. Kombat. No, girl. Okay. Well, you was doing the same thing to me, so calm down. <laughs> my number one is fitting because they just released a trailer not too long ago, or actually yesterday. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure really which one because I've played all of them. But Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto is. And my number that's my number one probably 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 san andreas ghetto i grew up on i got i really you know that's like an inflammatory word that's why i keep saying it (laughs) i'm not ghetto i'm eastside compton all day burst and rosecrans but um grand theft auto bruh i mean i'm talking about grand theft auto 3 that's well really i started with the first grand theft grand theft auto 2 when it was 2d like it wasn't even 3d yet then got to Grand Theft Auto 3 with the New York. But I would probably have to say Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is probably my overall. Number two, this is a game I kind of never really talked to you about. But this this game, speaking of Nintendo 64, bro, Nintendo 64, that's OG. That's an OG console. I want one now. Yeah, that's OG <laughs> console. GoldenEye. 007 GoldenEye on Nintendo 64, bruh. I remember that game. That that game, when it comes to like a shoot, like first person shooter, like multiplayer screens, what Call of Duty is nowadays, what Halo was, what Gears of War was, they all came off the backs of 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 007 GoldenEye on Nintendo sixty four. If you don't know, if you're listening to me and you you, you a youngin and you don't even know what that game is, hit a your youngin. YouTube's, hit your YouTube's, hit your Google's, Dang, you old and too. figure that out. Because, bruh, I mean, my, Nintendo 64 had it going. Yeah, they did. And then my number three, my last one, which actually, I, I could slip this into my first one because I love, 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 love this game. But I'll just have it in number three for the sake of this. It's Roller Coaster Tycoon. Bruh. So that's my that's, that's my computer, computer game. game. But it's a video game. Man, I remember the first Roller Coaster Tycoon I ever played. It was on my cousin's computer. He had the first one, and bro, this was like back in like what two thousand two, 
and like video graphic, the graphic cards on on computers at that point in time wasn't even that good. But bruh, the first Roller Coaster Tycoon was just fluid, and like I just never ran across a game other than Grand Theft Auto or other than like Tony Hawk, like Tony Hawk Pro Skater. You could build like your own skate parks and stuff. Um, but I never ran across a game that was this fluid where you could really build a whole roller coaster and then test it out and like build a whole theme park. Um, so yeah, that's, that's in my number three. You used to love that, love that game. Okay. But yeah, so that was, that was our let's get deep questions. Um, now a random fact of the day is, did you know that t- snails, have teeth. I did not. And now here's the real here's the real fact of this fact. <laughs> the fact of this fact. <laughs> <laughs> not only do they have teeth, snails on average have 2500 teeth. What the freak? And the teeth are embedded inside of their tongues. Ew. So when snails are like, have you ever like looked on the ground and like when snails are moving, like they kind of leave like that residue? Yeah. When snails are sliding across the ground, most the majority of the time when they're sliding, they're sliding their tongues across the ground, trying to pick like pick up sediment or pick up stuff to eat pretty much. So that little residue that we see, it's them, their it's tongues. Their spit. Yeah, it's their tongues, which is their teeth, grabbing a hold of the ground. And low-key, like, sucking the ground to try to get the nutrients. That's disgusting. So, is their whole body the tongue? Not their whole body, but just, like, part of when they roll out of their, when they roll out of their shell uh-huh. or whatnot. There's, like, I guess if you pick up a snail, you can kind of see, like, where, I don't know, like, where it's open at a little bit. But, like, pretty much the forward part, right before where their little antennas are and, like... I think once you go down from that, like half of their body, where the opening is, is where the tongue comes out. Yuck. I hate that. So. Don't like it. That's your random fact of the day. I so, don't like it. And it's crazy because when I was a kid, I used to pick up snails and I used to let a, I used to like put a snail in my hand, like just to see, feel how slimy it was. Never knew that they had teeth or anything like that. <laughs> I used to um, collect snails and I had a snail farm. Huh. And then... I used to pour salt on them as well. Not like, Oh my god. Not shut up. You everybody You're a deviant. Everybody's done it before. <laughs> no. You no. never poured, everybody, everybody hasn't done it before. You've never poured salt Mm-mm. on a snail? I am a I am a sane person. No, he's not. He's done it before. Everybody's done it before. But yeah, so I, I poured salt on them a few times. But I did have a snail farm and then my uncle poured water all in it. Isn't that so That's rude? That's sad. <laughs> now, the only thing I've done as deviant. Remember that time our trash can had like maggots in it? Yeah. And I had oh, you to and them. I boiled some water because because you that's the crazy thing about maggots. Like you can spray maggots with stuff. You can do whatever you want to do with them. They will not die. So what I had to do was boil some water and pour them, pour the boiling water on top of them, and that's what got them. Yeah, their <laughs> necks was just like. Eh. Yeah, they was like. Eh. <laughs> it made like a little buzzing sound. Yeah. I guess it was their demise, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. All right, well, let's move on to our forever segment. So this week, I have the pleasure of bringing the topic for the forever segment. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask you a question, and this is going to be the topic of of our segment. Okay, ask away. What do you feel about work spouses? About somebody having a work husband or the term work husband and the term work wife what what comes to mind and what do you what do you think about the that the first word that comes to mind is stupid <laughs> okay why 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 is it stupid cuz what first of all what the heck a freaking work wife or a work has, husband like be freaking for real if you're not married then and or not in a relationship then of course that could be fun and cute and like you know like flirty kind of thing like you know it's a way that you get people to take care of you or to look out for you Mm -hmm. and so I could understand it in that aspect yes but when you're married or in a relationship it's just stupid to me it's like first of all it's a way of flirting to me essentially second of all it's a way of opening yourself up to, you know, to that influence and to, to feeling um, those type of feelings that 
that that you are reserved for your significant other towards someone else. And so I just think that that's a freaking mm-hmm. weird. It's weird as heck. And I don't know. Listen, if you come home talking about you got a work wife, I'm going to have three work husbands. <laughs> Shut up. Literally. Now, yeah, now what really piqued my interest about this topic is because I was just having a conversation with a couple of people and one of the people one of the people they were like, "Bro, like my dude can never like have a work wife like if he is even like entertaining somebody at work, when he comes home, he'll find his stuff outside. Like we we won't be together anymore because that's just stupid." Or on the other hand, the other person I was talking to, their significant other like has like not <laughs> Well, she deems it as it's a real platonic relationship, uh-huh. but in a sense, like from the outside looking in, uh, somebody could say like, oh, that's like his work wife. But she says, well, I just feel confident and secure. Like, I know, like, he'll never kind of like, you know, do anything with her or, you know, like on an intimate level yeah, okay. or whatnot. And she was like, and, you know, he's at work. Like, he works a type of job where... He's there for, like, 12 hours or whatnot, and most of the time, like, that's kind of the only person he can, you know, he has he has a conversation with, because that's the only person that's usually in his vicinity or whatnot. And she's, y'all know, you know, she's just kind of, like, cool with it. Now, me, on the other hand, I was like, bruh, so, I, well, I, I wanted to gauge, because I was like, well, what kind of stuff, like, are they doing? Like, she would tell me, like, oh, you know... For Christmas one year, because, you know, Christmas is coming up and we're talking about gifts and stuff. She was like, yeah, for Christmas one year, yeah, she had got him, like, this water bottle that he wanted and also this, like, expensive, like, uh, electric toothbrush that he had been talking about, like, for months and months. Uh-huh. And my eyes kind of raised up because I was like, you know, if you're working somewhere and, like, you know, let's say your company, like, participates in gifts or something like that, at most, I'm going to get somebody a Starbucks gift card. I'm you know what I mean, like or gift or Amazon gift card. I'm not about to buy nobody no. And the expensive toothbrush she was talking about, like it was like an eighty dollar toothbrush or something like that. I do feel like women are more thoughtful when it comes to gifts, especially mm. you know in those like uh, what are they called the uh, secret Santas and stuff. And so like you know I really think hard about my gifts. So if my person was a a male that I drew, then his gifts are going to be very thoughtful as well. I would not give thoughtful gifts just because he is a man. But and if I had like secret, you know, if, if he was my secret work husband or something, I don't know. That's just crossing the line. And, and that's and that's where I want to go to next because I feel like I don't feel like it's a bad thing where we're talking about. I don't think there's a bad thing for you to be, especially when you're in a workplace, to be cordial and be friends with the opposite sex. But I feel like there's a line that shouldn't be crossed. And to what I said, you know, pretty much they posed a question to me like, well, what if you what if, you know, your your wife, you know, had a, you know, an opposite a friend of the opposite sex at her job? Like, what are some of the things that you would be OK with her doing or whatnot? Like, would she be would it be OK for them to, like, go to lunch with each other like once a week? And, you know, I just thought about it. And I'm just like, well, my husband jealous, bro. Yeah. Oh, no. You cool with that? Heck no, I ain't cool with that. Already? <laughs> I'm not cool with that, but I don't feel like you... I don't, I don't think that you would be cool with that. Like, I, there's no reason for me to be going... Like, there's one thing if we was like, hey, <laughs> everybody, we're going to Subway to go get lunch for the office. Um, You know, can somebody ride with me? And, like, I ride with one of my female coworkers to get the food. But me... But my female coworker saying, hey... I'm going to Subway and I'm going to go eat my lunch there. You want to come eat with me? What? Why do I need? Why do I need to even be putting myself in that predicament? I don't see the issue with that, honestly. I really, truly don't. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I just don't see the issue. As as long as you know where your feelings are, as soon as you start being like, ooh, I kind of like this. Like, you know, I don't have an issue with that. But I already know. I know you and I know you would have an issue with me doing that. And so I wouldn't do that. But if you were to go to lunch with one of your coworkers and to go on a weekly basis, if y'all if y'all is cool, then why not? You know what I mean? I just don't see the issue. His I'm not. Is- I'm not going with that. But now, if it was like three of us or four of us going out on a week, yeah. If it was like a group setting, I'm not going somewhere with a woman one on one, just me and her, every week somewhere by ourselves to have lunch. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's every week me 
investing quality time with another woman in a sense. Oh my goodness. I don't I'm think serious. it's that I just don't think it's that deep. Well I had male coworkers and I had male coworkers I worked really closely with and I, I had a male coworker oh we had the only Chill out on that really closely. Go ahead. I said worked really closely. No, no, I'm just playing. I'm like <laughs> You said you said I worked really closely with Calm down. What the heck? He's nuts, (laughs) y'all. He's literally nuts right now. But anyways, I had we had the same um, work shift, and then Mm -hmm. we would be at. We were the only ones that had to work until until six o'clock, and so we literally spent our last four hours of work by ourselves Mm -hmm. every single day. Well, I mean that's that's fine. I mean, like, like but what's the difference is going to lunch that we were in the same cart every single day, and we was talking, and he was really a cool dude, you know. My husband's my husband's armpits is probably itching right now. <laughs> yeah, because I'm about to swing on somebody. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, nah, like that's different. Like if you're in a work setting, like your I don't know your work shift causes y'all to be somewhere together for a long period of time. That's one thing. My lunch is my lunch, like. Especially when they come to like black people lunch at work, like they take their lunch time serious. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I really ain't about to spend my quality time you get mingling, with, yeah, mingling with somebody else. Like that's just that's just weird to me. If anything, if anything, if anything, I'm gonna take my lunch and call you. You know what I mean? And talk to you during my lunch. I'm not about to kick it with somebody else. At no subway every week and saying, "Oh, this is on our calendar. We gotta go do our. We have to have our lunch date." No, I mean you know. it's it's. Di- I don't know. I just think there that it's not a problem if you guys just grab lunch together. Now, if it's something intentional, like oh my god, I can't wait. Like you feel your toes twinkling and stuff, then that's a little different. But if it's just a platonic relationship, and you know it just is what it is, and you guys go out to lunch, like I don't see the big deal. I don't know. Everybody's different though, and mm-hmm. I think that that's what's important is you have to know how your person is. And your person has to know how you are. And so because I already know that you have the tendency to be like, oh, heck no. I wouldn't, I, I would just say no. Like, no, I can't, I can have lunch with you this time. But, you know, we, if he asked, a person asked me again, then, oh, you know, like, we can't continue to have lunch, blah, 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 blah. My husband, uh, ain't, he ain't cool with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but honestly, if you were to have lunch with somebody, I wouldn't really care. But, you know, it just depends on your intentions and things behind it. That's yeah. what, it depends on your heart behind it. Can you keep the lines drawn or can you not? And that's the issue. It's like, does somebody have self-control? Do both people have enough self-control? And usually one person does not have enough self-control. And then, you know, the other person falls too, I guess. But I am kind of interested in how many people have had platonic lunch or platonic relationships with uh, co-workers, opposite sex co-workers that has turned into something else yeah. or, or has turned into something else to where they're like, oh, let me uh, pull back because, you know. Well, see, that's interesting because the thing that really made me want to bring this up is because just recently... Uh, speaking of podcasts, there's another podcast that just got started. You remember the you remember the couple? Well, they're they're officially a couple now. That was from Good Good uh, Good Morning America. The TJ and Amy, I think her name is like Wombach or something like that. You know, I don't anyway. know any celebrities. Okay, but anyway, it was a scandal for Good Good Morning America where there was two coworkers, a black guy and a white girl. Oh, what not? Michael Strahan? No, not Michael Strahan. I, I, I my phone is. My phone is away from me. I don't. I don't really know their names, but y'all know who I'm talking about. If you just go, if you just Google "Good Morning America Affair" or whatever. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah. So you know, they just started a podcast, and at the time that they started really like mingling and really getting close to each other, because there was coworkers at first. Both of them were married or whatnot, but now they're saying, "Well, you know, we started really talking and getting serious about each other and talking to each other while we were both, you know, in the mix of getting divorced." Oh, wait, no. Yeah, but, right. Yeah, but that kindling of that flame that they have, it all started as platonic stuff. Yeah, you know I mean, they they haven't, they only have their first episode or whatnot of their, of their podcast. Um, and they kind of started getting into, like, how they started talking to each other. But from the just of it and the base of it, 
It was just from Plutonic stuff, from them working with each other, having to go out on assignment and like, you know, do like news coverage and stuff with each other. Then it starts off like, hey, I'm about to go grab a bite to eat or I'm about to go grab a drink. You want to come? You know, now turn to a full blown affair or or let them call it just a full blown. Well, we were already starting the separation process with our spouses when we started talking. I'm just like, bro, if y'all wouldn't divorce, then it's an affair. Rolling, <laughs> like you Rolling. know, they trying to beat. Yeah, they trying to beat around the bush. I'm like, and I'm just, and I was reading the comments, and people were like, well, you know, you know how many? There's a lot of people that you know start dating and start talking to other people when they're in their separation phase. I'm like, are y'all separated though? Anyway, yeah. I'm going off on a lot of people do start dating, you know, <clears throat> when they're separated, and so they just, I guess, they've mentally checked out, and so they determine themselves divorced from the moment <laughs> they I'm checked like, out. Bruh. Please let that ink dry on that paper. Please let these court proceedings finish before y'all got a whole relationship going on and a whole public relationship. Like they was out here because what really, what really got them out it was them holding hands and like holding each other, walking down the street in New York when they work at one of the largest news companies in New York, which is just strange to me. But anyway, that was way off top. Well, I guess it wasn't way off topic because. Obviously, they was work wife and work husband. I guess right. <laughs> but anyway, that's funny. <laughs> he uh, said man. obviously. Yeah, because that was that was just wild. But anyway, I mean, just to finish wrap this this segment up though. But yeah, I think that um, you know, I think you just I think lines just have to be drawn. You know what I mean? And you got to know not to really cross that boundary, or you have to make it known what your boundary is, you know what I mean? Or in the sense where you said you might have people that be like, I don't think there's a really problem with going to lunch. At least if something is made or something happens that make you feel uncomfortable or you feel like a line is kind of crossed, you need to A, speak up about it, or B, remove yourself from the situation. I think oftentimes we have good intentions and those good intentions, you know, pave the road to us just either making mistakes or making bad decisions, you know what I mean? And so you got to kind of be careful with what you're surrounding yourself with and what you're entertaining and what you're investing in. Yeah. So. That's true. Yeah. All right. So are we ready? Yeah. Let's move on to the For Roots and Bloom, which is our parenting segment. I just like to say what each segment is for people who are our new listeners? No, it's good. The old listeners didn't get it. Y'all, so y'all know where we're going. What's the next segment? Y'all, y'all should know that by now. Y'all been rocking with us, and we appreciate Man. it. And the way my voice is going, listen, I feel a good cough in my throat coming. It has not come yet, though, so do not fret, everyone. Do not fret. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about child development, because I saw this thing that said... Uh, People should have to take child development class uh, before being a parent because people really be punishing kids and hitting their kids and giving consequences, like, you know, new unnecessary consequences for, like, developmentally appropriate behavior, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk a little bit about child development. So... Infancy is the first area of child development, and that's age zero to two. And so that's when, you know, they have their basic reflexes, they start recognizing faces, they start having developing motor skills, crawling, walking, all that good stuff. Then you have early childhood, which is two to six. That's when they start imagining and develop their language and socialization and exploring their environment. And mm-hmm. they start playing a lot and, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of development in the brain and a lot of social development. Then you have middle childhood, which is six to 12. And so that's when your cognitive abilities continue to grow. You start your formal education. Usually by then you start developing friendships. You learn the social rules. Um, and then you have adolescence, which is 12 to 18. And that's when you go through those physical hormonal changes And really, kids start seeking a lot of independence. They form a stronger sense of who they are and their own identity. And they learn how to come, um, they learn how to like go through complex social relationships. So that, you know, you start having boyfriends, girlfriends, and, Mm. and, you know, it gets really complex. So, anyways, 
So I wanted to like really go into behaviors that irritate or are annoying to um, basically adults. to adults and and is it developmentally appropriate? What age do they outgrow it and how we should respond as a parent? And so the first behavior is lying. And so, you know, I feel like kids really start lying about the age of two, but, and then, it, it, you know, it goes on and on. So two-year-olds and three-year-olds lie. You shouldn't really punish them because really the reason they're lying most of the time is because they have a vivid imagination. So, you know, they just might say some astronomical stuff. Like, you ask them, did you do that? And they'll be like, and you know dang well they did it, but they'll blame it on their grandma who's, you know, in a house two states away. And so, you know, that's really why they lie. Um, it, it's like really a desire for their attention, all that kind of good stuff. Now, kids lie usually when they're trying to avoid punishment or the experiment by testing the truth. Like, you know, seeing what your reaction is going to be, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so kids really start... Do you know... Guess what age kids really start to understand honesty? Mm, seven? Yeah, you're right. Seven is really where you're really, really grasping the concept of honesty. So that's the age where... Number I mean, you also want to encourage kids to be honest at all times. But that's really the age where you want to put your focus on, seven to eight. And so really you encourage honesty by creating a trusting environment, praising kids when they do the right thing, and discussing the consequences of lying. So if a kid comes to you and confesses that they've done something, now you might not want to be harsh like, you knew better, I told you, you know, that kind of thing. Really, you should be like, you know, thank you so much for telling me the truth. Mm. Now, there's always consequences for a misbehavior. However, because you're telling me the truth, the consequences are lesser. Or now you don't get double the consequences or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. And so, you know, um, what do you think about lying? Well, that's it's, it's interesting because you're right. Like, <clears throat> the most of the parents like I've come across are i've seen like they especially when a kid is lying like people get so turned up about that yeah like, oh my god I that's can't a believe real they trigger lying, blah, blah, blah. that's a real trigger for people y'all be friends with these adults that be lying still right <laughs> you know what i mean literally and so and a kid whose brain isn't even fully developed and me i take it even more personally because man i like i've had i had a i had a real problem with lying even into even into my adulthood early adulthood like I would just be lying about just any and everything. You were just a much. Pinocchio, wasn't you? Yeah, like weren't I used you? to just be lying, but you know now, just in in retrospect, like just thinking about when I was a kid and coming up and like just how underdeveloped brains are in adolescence. Like if they're lying, you know they're lying. Now you know I think it's good the way that the example that you gave because most of us don't approach it like that. Like and that calmness, like. Okay, thank you for telling me the truth because you know, especially in our '90s upbringing, that's the turn up moment. Right? What you did? You did X, Y, and Z. Okay, then I ain't gonna tell you nothing else then. Yeah, and then you know? I don't know if you had the type of parents or the type of dad who tricked you into telling the truth, but you still got the consequence. Mm, that's just <laughs> you know they say, oh, you're not gonna get in trouble if you tell the truth. But you still get and in then trouble. You tell the truth, and then yeah, like what? But yeah, okay, so defiance. So defiance usually starts in toddlerhood and preschool, and they really defy to assert their independence. So they're trying to like show that they have some sense of control, and they're just trying to, you know, do things for themselves. So when a kid is telling you, no, I don't want to do it that way, or trying to refuse, or, you know, that kind of thing, it's really normal because they're figuring out finally like I have a voice I have a choice I can do this I can do that and so even though it's annoying it's very age appropriate now school age children they do it typically for the same reasons they want to have that autonomy they want to have some sort of control you know what I mean and so it it decreases a little bit and 
like their early teenage years, like they're not going to just directly disobey you usually, not at least in your face. And, you know, that's because their brains are more developed. It's because they um, have, they basically have more of an understanding of, of consequences of expectations and all of that. And so your parental response to defiance should be having clear expectations. That's always going to be a big behavior. Uh, yes, a big behavior. Yes. And then, um, really giving choices within the limits. So defiance shouldn't be, um, like responded to by just saying, no, do what I ask you to do. I told you to come here and you said, no, you don't say no to me. That is not the appropriate way because what you're going to end up having is a kid to buck up against you and to basically, you know, go harder in. It's like when you want to do something as an adult and somebody tries to make you do something you don't want to do, you know what I mean? You're Mm -hmm. not going to, you're going to go harder on, you know, on disagreeing or refusing And so kids do the same thing. So the best thing to do is to provide choices within the limit. So, hey, I see that you don't want to wear your shirt today or whatever. You don't want to wear this shirt or you don't want to get off the game yet. So here's your choices. You could have two more minutes and and then get off the game or you can um, come help me bake cookies, you know, something like that. You can come, you have to try to make it choices that they both want to do, that they would want to do, but you can also make it choices that they don't want to do. Yeah. Okay, I need you to get off the game, or I need you to not, or you're not going to be able to have the game tomorrow. Or I need you to do your homework um, now, or we're going to have to do it before you go to bed or during bedtime or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, but you do want to offer some type of choices and, and likely is better to offer positive choices. Then also you could also use first then language. So it's like, I use that a lot. It's like first do this, then we can do this. So first, like let's say with Josie, for instance, okay, baby, first we need to, um, we need to eat our dinner and then we could have marshmallows because she wanted marshmallows today with their dinner. So first you need to take three bites of food and then we can have dessert, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So anyways, what do you think about that? Yeah, see, I think that's good. And I think that's healthy, uh, healthy balance because we, well, I, I'm not going to say we, I know for sure me growing <laughs> up in the 90s, I ain't get that, you know, choice. What is a choice? You yeah, know what I mean, I, I didn't really get choices either. Maybe with my mom, but not with my dad. <laughs> it is what expect man in my single and my single parent household with seven kids. It is this is what it is. This is what you got. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, but you know it's important to provide them the choices because nobody likes to feel controlled. Like mm-hmm. honestly, and even as a kid, if you think back to the things that you wanted, and how nice would it have felt for your mom to say like you know, how about we do this? Or what are, what do you think about these two choices? Think of how affirmed oh, you would have felt. Definitely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how loved you would have felt. It might even make you feel like warm. You know what I mean? Like when mm-hmm. I think about things like that, it like, it feels warm, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I love about our parent, our parental journey, because, you know, I don't even fault my mom really. Can't even fault Kenya for that. She was, she was doing the best of what she had. You know what I mean? And, um, I just, but I just like the opportunity that we are able to kind of give our kids, and it's kind of the opportunities that you know I wish I had as a kid. Um, but I knew my circumstances, you know, as a kid, and man, my mom was just very, like I said, spread thin between us seven and trying to keep us alive, trying to keep us safe. <laughs> Not alive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. Like growing up in some of the places that, in some of the cities we grew up, like you know, but you know, I, that's why I'm just, I'm just happy, like. At our parental journey and just being able to offer what we're able to offer to our kids and just the choices and the gentleness and the warmthness and, you know what I mean, just giving them choices. Yeah. So. I like that. Okay, the next behavior is whining. Oh, we all cannot stand the whining because we want kids, as soon as they learn how to talk, not to whine. And so... Anyways, it's really common in toddlers and preschoolers, and that's because they're developing their language skills and they are seeking attention a lot of the time. 
And so because they don't know how to talk yet, then whining is a quick way to get our attention and a quick way to get what they need or what they want without having to, you know, really use those words. They also get frustrated because they can't exactly express what they want and it's hard for us to understand what they want, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... The typical age where you outgrow that behavior would be about five or six. Now, somebody out there is like, wait, my kid is still whining. My kid is still whining and they're seven or they're eight or whatever age. And the reason they're still whining is because you have allowed them to keep whining. You have not corrected the behavior. And so usually you're going to want to say like, hey, I my ears can't hear that. Um, what are you trying to say or what are you trying to communicate to it to me? Okay, I need you to use your words and you need to do that every single time. The consistency is like it needs to be on a hundred percent because if they get any payoff for the whining, then they're gonna keep doing it. So you need to immediately correct that behavior and immediately ha- ask them to communicate and provide the attention when they express themselves appropriately. And you know, oh, great. I'm so glad you were able to say that without whining and all that. So, yeah. What do you think about the whining? Yeah, I mean, me personally, like, I'm not a fan of the whining. But, like, I, I'm getting better at knowing, like, well, certain whines don't bother me. Like, Josie, she's two. She's going to be whining. You know what I mean? But then... It's really the upper ages that I got to kind of kind of wrap my mind around. Because, like, August, August, he likes to get into whining fits. But he's six, you know. And that's still kind of age appropriate. And I just got to get that out of my mind. Like, I got to, because, you know, I always try, I always look at, especially on him, I always look at him as, like, I'm trying to raise a little man. You know what I mean? And you shouldn't be whining that much. But he's six at the end of the day. Well, technically, his behavior is supposed to decrease, so that means we're giving him a payoff for whining. So we need to ask him to communicate appropriately, to take a break if he needs to, and so that is our fault why he's still whining. Now, I haven't noticed him whining, really, with me. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not really seeing that behavior as much, but, you know, but that means that we need to really, truly, um, you know, target that behavior and ask for an appropriate response consistently every single time. A hundred percent of the time. And so I have I have a total of eleven behavior or twelve behaviors, but I think I'm gonna go I've done like what, three so far? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna do two more before we switch into your segment. And so the fourth behavior is throwing tantrums. And so the developmental age for throwing tantrums is usually around toddler age, preschool age, and up until about kindergarten age. And so that's like the typical age. That's the age where you'll see a lot of tantrums. And so it's common because they're expressing their frustration and really a tantrum is because you can't communicate effectively or you haven't quite developed the coping skills to be able to regulate your emotions. And so our response as a parent, well, really, if your kid is still still throwing tantrums at age eight, like frequently, then it's an issue. So it's the frequent tantrums that are the issue. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, how you should respond is you should stay calm, offer comfort, and help your kid identify and express their emotions. So you got to figure, you that's what the real issue is. Hey, listen, it looks like you're feeling frustrated. And then, you know, they realize, oh, wow, I am feeling frustrated. And these are the things that you can do when you're feeling frustrated. So that's what you want to do. Now, if they're throwing a tantrum and then all of a sudden you start yelling, what you showed them is that you're throwing a tantrum too. You mm. showed them, this is how I lose control. You're losing control. I'm going to lose control with you. Now both of us is out of control and nobody has the, uh, nobody is driving this plane. We just going down together. Yeah. And so, you know, it's really important 
to help them identify why, help them to express their emotions, help them to choose a coping skill. And it's really important to have consistent routines. And really, um, if you know a child is throwing a tantrum for the same things, like um, when it's time to get off their tablet or when it's time to start doing homework, then you could um, front load them. You could discuss that with them. You know, you could say like, hey, when we get home today, we're going to do homework. I don't expect to hear anybody crying. I expect you to um, choose your emotion, feel the emotion, choose a coping skill. That's what I expect you to do. If you need a five minute break, that's fine. But we are going to do the homework, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. And so anyways, yeah, so... The tantrum should for sure be very decreased by eight, but it starts decreasing a little bit more around four or five. So each year you should have less and less tantrums. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's true for us, right? And true yeah, for our kids. Yeah. yeah. And then number five, which will be our last one for today. I guess that'll be a part two for this part, for this uh, Roots and Bloom segment. So number five is sibling rivalry. And so this is when kids compete for attention and resources. And it's kind of exacerbated by differences in age and different developmental stages. And so usually they kids don't really outgrow that necessarily. Maybe when they're adults, <laughs> they outgrow it. But sibling dynamics can improve as kids learn to mature and they learn how to communicate better. better. And so it really depends on how we've modeled communication for them and all that, you know? Yeah. Like, how have we been coaching them throughout this? How have we encouraged them to communicate? How have we taught conflict resolution skills and made sure that they each receive their individual attention? And... um I have two things to say about that. Number one is it's interesting that I'm like, wow, you really have to teach conflict conflict resolution skills. Like, it's crazy how much stuff you have to actually teach a kid. Just like we teach them to read, we need to teach them that. Yeah, teach them everything. Yeah, literally. And it's just crazy. And then also with the individual attention, as I spent that time with August at Universal Studios, I just was like realizing like, yeah, I spend a little bit of time every single day with each of them. Like I try to, whether it be five minutes or 10 minutes reading with August or sitting with Autumn in her bed and holding her hand, not in her bed, but near her bed and holding her hand or walking and talking with her in the morning. I try to spend at least, you know, a few minutes every day individually with each child. But as I spent that time with him on Sunday, I was like, wow, I need to really plan like a day every month for each child like i think it's really important what do you think about that yeah i mean individual time that's important you know for them to really you know with them with all of us in our schedules and you know just kind of vying for the free time that we do have with each other that can get clouded and very uh what's the word i'm looking for it's almost like a concentrated form of it you know what i mean yeah but it's not the real it's not like the deep quality um, that they need, just like we need. We need to get away from them sometimes and have our own date night with each other. In the same sense, having a time alone with them. With you each know? child. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really important because it'll make your kids feel important. It'll make them feel valued. It makes them feel loved. And, you know, I just think it's really important. It really, truly is. And so in closing, definitely be have consistent expectations and clear expectations, consistent and clear consequences. Teach them everything, literally every skill ever. And three, give them the attention and plan out that quality time because you really have to invest that. And this goes right back into the roots and bloom. And I was reading this scripture today to them, and it was saying, like, I was telling them, I was explaining to them what it means when it says, Um, if you plant good things, you will harvest good things, or if you plant something like that. And so I was telling them what that meant, but it's important to plant attention and love and all these things. And so 
when so that when it's time to harvest we'll harvest all those same things if we're planting rudeness and talking to our kids crazy and not loving them the way we're supposed to and hitting them and mistreating them and talking to them rudely and yelling and all that stuff how do you think your kids are going to be treating you and and all that when you're old how do you what do you think you're going to harvest you know and so i just think that's really interesting but yeah so that is roots and bloom Good stuff. That's our resident school psychologist there, Dr. Chris at McDonald. No, I am not a doctor yet. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to our lifestyle section. Um, This one's going to be a little bit different because normally, you know, I'm just talking about like something entertainment wise or music wise, which I love for sports or something like that. But today, um, I, earlier what I was talking about, like, I was just doing, like, I was watching videos and doing research and a bunch of stuff. Um, and I came across this thing, which was kind of interesting. I came across these studies. And I was like, oh, this has an interesting study to it. And so I want to ask you a question. If the world, like, shut down, like, where, like, the ele- there's no more electricity. Of course, without electricity, like, the phones wouldn't work. There'd be no more internet. If we just went to like kind of like a post-apocalyptic type of society, like a pandemic point two, uh, not even a pandemic point two, just like let's just say like the whole world lost power. You know what I mean? Yeah, we had I to re- my phone. Yeah, and we had to revert back to like living like back in the days, like how they used to live. Nine eats TikTok. So the question is, would you? Do you think? And this, this, you're. I mean, is this an unbiased answer? Oh, it not. Do you think that? Us as a family, with me at the head of the family, we'd still be able to survive. In a post-apocalyptic Like with zombies? Society. No, not with zombies. Just like, <laughs> if if there was no power in the world, that means like you have to build, you have to build homes by hand, farm, hunt, all that stuff. But we already have a house. We wouldn't okay. have to build anything. <laughs> Girl. Okay, like, if we were out, let me just, if we were out... In the world, in the wilderness, or whatnot, and this is back in eighteen hundreds. Oh, could we survive in the eighteen hundreds? Yeah, with no home, like no. Okay. <laughs> no, we could not. Why? Why we couldn't? Uh, we ain't never built a house before. Yeah, but you don't think we, that I'm pampered, honey? I need air conditioning. I would just. I'm sorry, you could drop me off to <laughs> you the nearest need air ocean. Air conditioning. Oh my god! You okay. could drop me right up under the ocean. I need air conditioning. I need heat. I want regular light. I need baths and face masks and eyebrow waxings and good food. Well, girl, yeah, regular light. Okay, that's what I'm saying. If there was no electricity in the world, I can't just make electricity. But anyway, what made me think about this, what made me bring up this question. I don't know why he getting funny about it. Well, no, I'm not getting funny about it. It's just that, I don't know, you you not answered it right. You told us I need regular heat, regular, I need air conditioning. That's not the question. Anyway, Could the question Could we survive? Was, no. Oh, okay. So I was watching this, I was uh, looking at this study and it was saying like every, pretty much this, there's been this control group where they've been, not control group, but they've, it's been this research study where they've been doing research and like asking people questions like every five years since like the year 2005, right? And what they've come to realize is that like about in every eight year span, the questions that they ask, people that have knowledge they used to have the same, like, the, like, overall basic knowledge of, like, things, like, when it came to, like, hunting or, like, um, you know, first aid in the wilderness or how to plant stuff, how to farm, how to, like, tie knots and Boy Scout questions and stuff like that. They've come to find out, like, every eight years that pass, like, the general population of people that would know type of, you know, things like that. The survivalist stuff. Yeah, like the, yeah, the survivalist, like, mindset. Like, it's becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's, they're, you know, correlating it due to the fact that, like, as technology booms, the knowledge and the, you know, where we need to make and have natural resources the knowledge for that, where people wanted to know that type of stuff, it, like, decreases. Yeah, so and I'm so, agreeing with the researchers. No, we would not survive. Yeah, yeah, and so they're just trying, they're just, yeah, they're they're posing the question, like, you know, as the world continues to go on, like, you know, and technology continues to advance, you know, then, like, the people who have, like, modern knowledge of certain things, like, you know, just regular people, you know I mean? They wouldn't, if the world was just to shut down one day, like, pretty much we'd be, you know, axed out. 
because, you know, they ask people just questions like, you know, if you were to be in a forest and break your leg or something like that, what would be the first thing you would do? If I was to be in the forest and break my leg. You're not around any hospital. You can't get to a hospital or nothing like that. If you were to break a bone, what's the first thing you do? Try to find something to hoist the leg. Okay. And then I would get on my, I would do an army crawl to some water. I've watched enough shows. (laughs) (laughs) Girl said to some water. Yeah, to the water because then you follow the river and it goes to a city. I don't know. That's what the movies and cartoons show. (laughs) Listen, listen, you might as well throw me in the ocean because, listen, if I got to, I just, I know, I'm pampered, baby. I can't live in those times, okay? Yeah, I mean, so now that's good. That's good. That's actually good you say that. uh, This man's where he he a survivalist expert. Well, no, I'm not a survivalist expert. I mean, I do know a little bit about surviving, but the... But the main thing you said, which is which is a very which is probably the most important thing, like if you were in the wilderness and you're lost, the first thing that you want to do is find a water source. Normally, if you find a water source, like if you can find a, I know the TV shows. Yeah, if you can find like a river and why, but why? This is why you want to find a river because a you're gonna need water to survive. That's number one. But b if you find a water source, that means that all the other animals they come to that water source to get water too because animals need water to survive. And so if you stay closer to that water source, it'll be easier for you to hunt and find an animal for you to kill to survive on food as well. But then also, third, thirdly... i just eat you first. <laughs> yeah, but then also, I'm about to say, yeah. And, and you know how, like, in the movies and stuff, they eat the person, they'll eat somebody, they'll be like, oh, let's vote on who we're going to eat or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or they'll eat somebody, it would be like, we'd be like four hours into survive and I would have been ate you already. Girl. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, like oh there's just like there's just like you know little survival tactics. But anyway, like even going back to like if you broke a if somebody like if you're traveling with somebody and they break something, the first thing you really want to do is. But me, I, I just got a little bit of knowledge because I took an EMT course at one point. In time. Oh, here he go. But I mean, just even on that, you want to make sure you actually we got like the paramedic the, in the house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you want to make sure you actually set the leg first. That's like, what I said. Hoist it. Yeah, yeah. If you know, if like you know that something is broken, the best thing you can do is like, you can find like I don't know, like two pieces of wood that are firm and stiff. That's what I said. Yeah, you try to create kind of like a, a cast to keep it still. But you just keeping it still. So a like if you have around no medical supplies. You want to set the leg, set the leg so it could your body, because your body will start to repair itself. Well, you know, I'm, I'm basically a paramedic, so I've chose both of the right things. I guess I could survive. Oh, what not? But then now, when it comes to like certain things of like planting food or like knowing different types of trees, this is where it comes to because the study was showing like the um, progression and the like uh, people signing up for like Boy Scouts and the numbers for people to sign up for things that are like Boy Scouts or like wilderness programs in the early 2000s versus like nowadays, the numbers have like dwindled um, in a sense. And so um, people are really not getting that like, you know, that information on like how to tame or create like natural resources or knowing the difference between like poison ivy or a regular fern tree um, and, you know, things of that nature. But anyway, I thought it was an actual, I thought it was an, an interesting research study because I'm just like, bruh. And there was other things in there like, you know, if you know, since there's no electricity, if there were no cars, how would you get around from you know place to place that you you know that you need to get? Like, do you know how to ride? Do people know how to ride horses? Do you know how to create like a saddle for a horse and put a bit in its mouth? You know what I mean? Do you know how to that till- horse should have been done ate somebody? Yeah, <laughs> not ate somebody. Do you know how to till a ground? Hell, do you even know how to milk a cow if you ran across a cow? Um, and you these are just them, you pull them yitties down. Yeah. <laughs> And these are just things that I was just thinking that I was like, bro, like, yeah, like as our society, like, continues to grow and grow in technology, like even with our kids, like there's just things that we knew how to do or we had knowledge of that, like the next generation, it is just it's kind of like low key obsolete. And it just really got me thinking. I'm just like, yo, like, dang, that's that is kind of true. Like we are kind of just like stepping away from. You know, the naturalistic way of, of, of life. And so anyway, it just made me think and I just like, man, I really want to get back into like, you know, finding out how to do stuff and like, 
you know, really like working with my hands. I like working with my hands a lot. Um, just doing like the more nature type of stuff, you know, even like the simplest thing is like, remember a couple of years ago or not a couple of years ago, but a few years ago, we went like doing the archery thing where we were like with the bow and arrows. Yeah, I was terrible at that. Yeah. But I mean, you know, but at least you did it. And they were just like, they did a study and they were asking people like, have you ever shot a bow and arrow before? And like the numbers of like, no. And with that being like in the olden times, like one of the, one of the, you know, before guns were invented bow and arrow was like tried and true your way of surviving you know that and a knife and like the amount of people that said no i've never shot a bow and arrow there's people said no i've never even seen a real bow and arrow period um i don't know it was just it was just alarming it was just it was just interesting interesting study and so that is interesting yeah so anyway that was my lifestyle thinking about survival and just how tech as technology grows how we kind of move further and further away from just knowing about things. Like, even if you were to hunt something, like, and you were to kill something, how do you preserve it? How do you preserve the meat? <sighs> these are things that you, you should know. You put salt on it. Yeah, these are things that you should know. These are these are random facts that you should know. But anywho, um, that marks the end of our episode. Um, As always, we just thank you guys for tuning in with us, um, just spending your time listening to us. Um, Again, we want to announce... Um, our book is now a finally available on Amazon. On Amazon, where dreams may take you. So you guys can uh, go ahead and look in the description. We have a link there if you want to go to Amazon and purchase that. Um, it'll make a great grift for you to put under your Christmas tree. Grift. A great gift for you to put under your Christmas tree to get to family or friends. Um, this is a really cool children's book. Um, it has some really cool images. We're like the black Dr. Seusses with the Ryman and and just really telling the story of adventure. Um, so you guys should definitely check it out. Again, the link for that book is going to be in our description. Or if you follow us on social media, you can find it on one of our pages or in our bio links. Um, but yeah, man, we just thank everybody that's already, you know, purchased their books, whether it's pre-order yes, on Amazon. We thank you guys for supporting us and coming along with us on this journey. Um, so again, we just thank you guys for listening to us and tuning in to us and, um, we'll talk to you guys next week. As always, you guys have a great rest of this December, the great rest of this year, great rest of this week. And as always, God bless.